What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another unlocked episode of Picture Lock. This is a great conversation with Ron Newcomb, indie filmmaker, producer, visionary, a man of many titles. And this particular conversation is about his latest endeavor as the founder of the Mid-Atlantic Studios. I made this particular interview an unlocked episode on the podcast simply because of the nature of it. The Mid-Atlantic Studios is a film studio based in the Mid-Atlantic region, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, conducting 100% of the hiring from the region because, hey, the Mid-Atlantic has stories to tell. It's their belief that if we band together, we can create a more sustainable environment for filmmaking in the region. Ron will explain things further during the interview, but in short, Ron is currently doing equity crowdfunding to try and create a sustainable way for filmmakers in the region to work year-round on projects they care about. I wanted to have Ron on because I've lived in all but one of those states and seen the indie film world in all of them, and I know we have a viable workforce and talent with a capital T-A-L-E-N-T. So, I wanted to expose my audience to what he has to say. So to be clear, I'm not telling you whether you should invest in this endeavor, but I want you to know about this opportunity and put the information before you. I've known Ron for a while, and I know if he's going to do something, he's a doer like me. So even if you're a listener not in the Mid-Atlantic region, it's still good for you to hear what he has to say because you may just want to support these efforts and have ownership in the company. Plus, Ron and I have an awesome after-show conversation that I will release next week. So sit back and enjoy listening to this episode with Ron Newcomb right after this promo. What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do. And as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realize that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know in a behind the scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your film's PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to prfortheindiefilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community, and become an army of one. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and my next guest is a director, writer, actor, and producer of The Forge Studios. 
He has written and directed award-winning short and feature-length independent films. He founded the FCF, a network of over 1,800 faith-based filmmakers and film enthusiasts, organized and co-leads the DMV Producers Association, as well as being involved in other film groups. My guest, Ron Newcomb, founder of the Mid-Atlantic Studios, gets stuff done. <laughs> Ron, welcome yeah. to Picture Lock. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on, for sure. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Man, okay, so um, before I get into the first question, I think we've talked about this before, but you've probably forgotten, but you will always have a special place in my heart because I found out that um, my wife was pregnant after coming to, I think, it, I think it was like a Christian filmmakers meeting or conference or something. Yeah. And and yeah. when I got home from that, she gave me a card and it said like congrats you're a dad. And so like that that moment and that memory <laughs> awesome. so special, yeah. so special. Of course. <laughs> no, it's grounded in in uh in truth, it's gra- grounded in emotion, a lot like uh you know our experiences with stories. So no, that's awesome. Right, exactly, exactly. All right, Ron. So first question I always start out with when did you first fall in love with film? Well, you know, I was uh, about six or seven years old, and I remember watching an old made-for-TV movie. It was a black-and-white project. I was sitting, uh, you know, just laying on the floor. My parents were there, and it was the first film that actually brought emotion out in me. And I realized then the power of the medium. Uh, was to elicit emotion, to move people. And that was the first time that I, I knew that there was something there that I wanted to, to be a part of. It was exciting and um, powerful. And then I had done some plays and saw the reaction of the crowd and the response there. But it wasn't until I got a little older that I began to realize, especially when you do a lot of international travel, they say that music reflects culture, but films dictate culture many times. And you see that uh, really well when you go overseas, you know, people wearing Levi's and Nikes and what they find cool and, and, and things. And so I wanted to be a part of that conversation. I wanted to, to be able to elicit that emotion, to be able to, um, you know, tell stories that, that I believe are worth telling. I like to see that the Ford Studio is about telling stories of hope and light in a dark and dying world. That's one of the goals that we have. So um, it was at a young age, but I've been pursuing that ever since. Man, so uh, two questions on that. One, what was the name of the film? And two, can you say that quote again? Music reflects the world. That was that was really good. Yeah. So um, music many times reflects culture, but film dictates culture you can actually push a message out. Nobody knew this more than, you know, Hitler. Hitler went out, and there's, the reason there's so much World War II footage is he knew the power of the medium, is that if he could control um, the output, that he can then uh, turn a country, you know, even to uh, um, various ways uh, without them even, even realizing it through justification of the power of the, of the medium. Um, and, and the film, you know, I, I, I can't quite remember. I, I see it, you know, in my mind's eye. I know the poster of it. 
um, but I cannot come up with it off the top of my head right now. But the power of the film was such an emotional impact that it it definitely uh, you know imprinted on me, and I knew then the power of the medium. Awesome. All right, man. So take me from the little kid that's sitting there watching this black and white film to the man now who is, you know, director, writer, actor. Uh, give us your backstory. How did you get into the industry? So I grew up um, playing sports. You know, most of the, my friends and the people at school, we played a lot of sports. So Theater wasn't something that I really did or was a part of, but I have some really close friends that um, were into theater and into acting, and we would play role-playing games on weekends. But, you know, I was like what I would call a closet gamer. I didn't want anybody to know that we were playing (laughs) uh, role-playing games on weekends, but um, we would just about every weekend play, and it was this communal storytelling. And again, um, you know, the impact and the power of, of um, a story, here we were, you know, being uh, the heroes in our own tales. And so I knew I had a, a, a bug of acting back then, but it wasn't until I went to college and I was at a college that didn't really have any sports teams. And so I thought, man, what am I going to do during the semester? And immediately I looked over and saw that there was an audition for a play. And so I, I auditioned, ended up getting cast, and the director, who was one of these crazy directors that would, you know, be smoking underneath the no smoking sign, he would yell at people, and, <laughs> but for some reason, he really liked me, he really resonated with me, and so he poured a lot of time and energy into me, and then uh, I ended up getting a local agent here in Virginia, and I went down to Florida where I competed at a national acting competition and ended up placing, I believe it was first in my division and third overall. And as a result of that, I got an agent. And so um, I did a short time in the Marine Corps. And after the Marine Corps, the agent pretty much said, I kept in contact and she said, look, I can't do anything while you're in Virginia, but would you come out here? I can. So I packed my bags and went across country. Now that was around 1995 what people don't probably remember is there was a small recession back then and it was very difficult just to get regular nine to five work, much less trying to get auditions. And of course this is pre digital age. So I was trying to have some cool auditions, but nothing really landed. So I found myself back here thinking, well, I gave it to college try. That's it. I guess it wasn't in my future. And I became a police officer and it wasn't until I met another police officer, police officer friend, Jim clock, who's still in L.A. Uh, doing quite well as an actor himself, and he, re- he said, hey, I'm going to do uh, a film. Do you want to help me? And so um, he set off on doing a feature film project. We would moonlight as security officers at a local movie theater, so he asked them, hey, Monday through Thursday, would you be willing to let us film here from like 11 at night to 7 in the morning? And, of course, we're the cops, so <laughs> they said yes. And we worked midnights anyways, so we would film during our off time uh, at this movie theater, and we ended up filming a feature. Now, this was right as digital just started to come into play, and though the output of the project isn't going to win any particular awards, what it did do was my buddy really treated it very professional, and it it, it really impacted me that we could do it, that now was an option. 
so we constantly kept talking about it and dabbling at it. And he ultimately went to L.A. And like I said, it's still doing quite well. I took a different path and we started to get a master's degree and was still dabbling in film, put together this uh, film group, and it grew quickly. And so I had this young couple who came to me and said, hey, we, we have a script. We need your help. Would you be willing to help us produce it? And so I had done a few shorts at that time, but I said, they were just such a nice couple that I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And ultimately, they went on and asked me to direct it. And again, I did it. And it was my first directorial feature film debut. And again, although the film's probably not going to win any awards, it's a very sweet story. Uh, it's a family-friendly story. And it once again proved to me that this was a viable option, that we have stories to tell and there are ways to tell it, that my thought of in my early 20s thinking, well, I guess that was done, didn't have to be true. So then I then cashed out some of my retirement. I tried to find some angel investors, which is very difficult to do. Money's not a problem. It's the problem. <laughs> and so people tell you not to use your own money. I didn't know any other way to do it. So my business partners and I... Uh, that's what we did. And then when we got first money in, then some other money started to come into play. We raised a good bit of money and shot a feature film um, called The Fellow's Hip, Rise of the Gamers, which ended up getting domestic distribution, it, international distribution. It's been translated in 19 languages. Um, you, you know, you could find it on the shelves of Walmart at the time and in Amazon and Netflix, etc. So it did well enough that it kicked us off on this pathway uh this journey and i had a opportunity with a new company called the forge studios that i helped find um where we had a brick and mortar studio for a brief moment but the gentleman that uh, helped finance that um he had invested in traditional hollywood films and unfortunately those didn't pay out like he had hoped and therefore our studio was affected because he was hoping to parlay some of that revenue into what we were doing and so I have found myself over the years working full-time in film and then not working full-time in film. And there's not a lot to pivot to. So I did end up about last year work on a, TV, a local TV show that uh, was about a year and a half in the making, and which was a lot of fun. Uh, it's out there currently now. But again, there was nothing to pivot to. So I found myself back in the traditional workforce and as a producer, that translates to about a project manager in the real world. <laughs> and of course, in the D.C. market, you're pretty much going to work for the government in some capacity. So that's currently what I'm doing. But I'm constantly working film. I'm either writing or trying to produce. And people say, oh, but, you know, that's a nice hobby. It's not a side hustle. I stay up till 10, 11 o'clock every night when I get home. I'm very serious about this, and I have every intention of going back into this full time, but I do want to solve the problem of sustainability, because I do believe that is a challenge for us. Most definitely. It's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with former closet RPG player and founder of the Mid-Atlantic Studios, Ron Newcomb. Um, folks, as you can hear the passion from Ron, I know that uh, just filmmaking and storytelling is something he's extremely passionate about. Uh, he's put in the work, as you can tell from what he said. 
And now, Ron, as you're talking about in terms of sustainability for uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia filmmaking, um, you've come up with this concept with the Mid-Atlantic Studios. If you could, for the audience, let's go ahead and dive into that and uh, what you're doing. Yeah, no, I appreciate that because, again, it's the very fact that I chose film as a vacation and yet there's an expectation that I'm supposed to be a starving artist is frustrating. <laughs> and the fact that my peers, and I believe in higher education, I have a master's degree, et cetera, but the fact that all my peers are doing quite well, but in the film world, I'm supposed to live as a pauper or knock it out of the park and practically win the lottery and, and you know, move to Hollywood. That's, that's almost an expectation that I'm not going to be able to afford the house, the two cars, uh, a family. And that really frustrated me. And so I began to, um, at first, I'll be honest with you, I had a little bit of victimization going on, and I, I kept looking to others to solve the problems, such as our local film office or, or you know, government incentives, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the power is in our hands, no more um, than right now. There is a thing called equity crowdfunding that's at play that I've been monitoring for quite some time that was illegal. You couldn't do this two years ago, but it is now launched. A lot of people know of it through a studio called Legion M. They've been making it work very successful. But what it does is, every, a lot of people know crowdfunding, a la Kickstarter. You give me 20 bucks, I give you a DVD. This is, you give me $100 to actually give you ownership in the company. We can all create a win and create sustainable filmmaking in our region through equity crowdfunding. And so I am now up on this platform called WeFunder, and the studio, as you mentioned, is called Mid-Atlantic Studios. And if you go to midatlanticstudios.com, that's where you can see this, and it lays everything out. The goal is is that it would be membership-owned, and the members will get certain perks and opportunities. It's not that everybody's guaranteed to yeah, um, you know, a home run, but everyone's guaranteed an opportunity because at the end of the day, that's what I want. I just want an opportunity. I want my chance at bat. And so how can we do that? And I realize now that together we can. And we put together this slogan called Together Filmmaking. We're better together than we are apart. And if we could just let our egos go, we can come together and keep the cameras rolling. Because at the end of the day, that's where the sizzle is. That's what the fun is, is keeping the cameras rolling. We constantly have projects in various stages of production. And so I began to look not just in our region, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, but I also found that very close by regions were also underserved and at one point were vibrant, such as West Virginia, North and South Carolina. So if you look at the Mid-Atlantic region, that's where I've laid it out. And, you know, those states are close enough to where – if I, I needed to, I could drive there. Um, and I could see us doing various stages of production all over the region. And so, you know, there's a western town that I know of that's in West Virginia. We could film there. We could film, you know, near the beach in, in uh, Virginia. We could go down to South Carolina, and I, I have good buddies down there that do a lot of fantasy projects. There's no reason why we can't do this together. And, and I believe that passionately. Um, I've talked to enough people to know that, again, money's not a problem, it's the problem. But in 2018, it's solvable if we can come together. And that is what I'm betting on, counting on, and hoping. That was a really passionate uh, speech there, Ron. But let's 
let's scale things back for a second, right? Sure. So for the person that's listening that's, um, you know, a practitioner maybe in the region, and yeah. they are thinking, okay, I kind of get what he's saying, but I, w- I want you to kind of break this down a little bit, a little bit more, right? So the issue is that I think, especially in the, you know, the mid-Atlantic region, now you got, you know, Hotlanta, uh, which they crank out a lot of stuff in Atlanta. Um, but I think yeah. as a region, we're not necessarily like LA or New York or maybe New Mexico, or it's like they're constantly pumping out, churning out new, um, especially, you know, narrative uh, feature works, things like that. So yeah. the point is, uh, especially for, for us in the DMV region, you know, you're usually going to be working on some kind of government video or things like that. It's, yeah, it's, right. it's not necessarily like maybe the creative work that a lot of us would like to do. And so the problem becomes that you're, you're constantly kind of looking for, for work, right? Like I, even, even my brother yeah. talks about how like in, in Atlanta, you know, when people aren't working on a TV show, they usually go to the unemployment office in between whatever gigs that they have. And so if, yeah. if I'm understanding you correctly, the concept of Mid-Atlantic Studios is to create a, a studio system in which the people that do invest you know, have ownership in it. So first off, yep. like you you have skin in the game rather than just yep. like basically buying a DVD or a T-shirt, like you said, on Kickstarter. But then two, it's so that the people that are actually investing in it have a voice in the type of films that are being made. Is that correct? Exactly. Like we are DC we're number one in documentaries so we have the crew here and we have the gear here we're top four in theaters we have the actors here four of the richest counties in all of the u.s are in the dmv here um dmv area so we have the financing here so why aren't we turning out more content and it's because everyone keeps swinging for the fences and what we need to do is hit singles and let me translate that to mean that we can do several projects if we keep our budget reasonable and find out what's selling in the market to keep the cameras rolling. We've also, I've also partnered up with a guy that I've known for a very long time to put together, and we're going to be launching very unique blockchain, which is going to be a database of filmmakers and what they offer, and there's going to be a, a score with them, etc. More to come on that, but, it's, but the purpose of that is not only will Mid-Atlantic Studios keep the cameras rolling, but the way we get to sustainability is by connecting with other like-minded people and creating further projects outside of this as well. So there'll be multiple projects going on with Mid-Atlantic Studios, but then let's say, Kevin, you meet somebody on set and you guys start producing another project. And then someone else on South Carolina does another project. Why? Because we now have this database, this backbone of people, of gear, of financiers. And we need to prove to the financiers that first we can return their money back. That's the single we need to hit. Mm-hmm. We need to stop going for the, I'm going to return 400% return to you. It's unrealistic and doesn't happen. We first need to just get their money back. And then if we can prove that a 24 20 to 40% return on an investment in a reasonable time frame, we won't be able to stop the investors. I had an investor actually laugh at me saying, you're on the wrong coast, you know, <laughs> in LA. But that's exactly why we're in the right place because our investors here 
don't get pitched film. Look, they invest in tech and real estate. But if you film immortalizes you, if you want to have a conversation into the culture, if you want to make an impact, if you want to tell a story um, that matters, we've all been moved by media. That's why we're in this thing. If you want that, then there's no other way to do it than that of a film. <laughs> you got me thinking here. All right, so um, I, I'm just trying to think more so from uh, the viewpoint, vantage point of the audience member that's listening, especially, you know, independent filmmakers. We definitely understand exactly what you're talking about. So here's an opportunity where I can invest in a company that, you know, I, once again, I can see a return on my investment financially. Yep. But then at the same time, um, especially if I'm a practitioner, I can join and, and get work, right? So, right. So, so this is one thing that I do also want to think about it, right? So, or way, way that I want to think about it. Um, in terms of Mid-Atlantic Studios, right? I'm sure that you're going to have a certain way that you vet different projects. And as a studio, you can only put out so many films per year. So I'm sure that folks that are invested may still be, you know, creating, producing, directing films on the side that's outside of, you know, the main studio. However, yes. in terms of Mid-Atlantic Studios, um, I, I would love to know, like, how how do I, as the person that, you know, has invested in the company, how do I get to voice my opinion on maybe what film should be made? Or what if yeah. I have a script, um, you know, how could it be chosen to be made? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so a couple things with that. One is paying membership. So those who invest in the company will get, uh, certain privileges. They'll get information before anybody, anybody else. Um, they'll be able to submit audition tapes. They'll be able to get cast breakdowns, be able to get crew breakdowns before anyone else, at least two weeks prior to anybody else. Um, and that's baked into the system. You, everyone needs to be a member of it, um, but just like Legion M, there's free membership and there's a paid membership. And the paid membership are the members that are investors, and it's the only way this thing's really going to work. So I do have uh, um, a few advisory board members, but ultimately it'll be built out to approximately around 12. So you have a script. And right now, you know, you can try to get it made in L.A. and Hollywood and try to get an agent. And, you know, it goes into the netherworld and few people even get a reply email. <laughs> well, with us, if you're a member, you're going to get notification that scripts are being taken. And so very much a la the blacklist, what you'll do is you'll submit a log line and a synopsis and that will be submitted and put up on a page and the members will actually vote the best projects up. And there is a triangle diagram on the website. You can go there now and see how this actually is going to work. It, the best scripts will then go to the next tier. Every script needs to go through an advisory member and they need to give it a thumbs up. The advisory board member will then hand me, the CEO, the final three to five scripts after the full vote has gone in, and then I will greenlight the scripts predicated on budget, what's selling, um, commodities, what uh, elements we may have. Based upon certain factors, I will then greenlight the project. So 
everyone will get a voice and an opportunity to be able to put their ideas forward. And here's what's great about that, is that the script, you know, it should be finished, but it doesn't have to be, because scripts take a long time to write, and sometimes if I have the logline and synopsis, it'd be nice to know if I could go to someone and say, hey, is this sellable? Is this, a, you know, something that, that could be considered on that? Um, so that's another element that we're, that we're doing, is that you don't just submit your scripts right out the gate. You submit the loglines and, and a one-sheet first, and we vet the idea, and then, and then the community will bring forth the best script. Now, if I'm a crew member, and you're like, okay, that's great for the writers, I've already told you about the actors. They're going to get uh, breakdowns, and, and uh, if you're a member, you're going to get that early, and you'll be able to audition. And there will be um, online digital auditions, so we're going to use the paramedia to be able to do that. Uh, but if I'm a crew member, the same thing is going to happen. A call of who, it, you know, what positions we're needing, and we're going to hire the best people we can for those positions. Now, my goal is to ensure that we are doing well, and my advisory board is made up of the region. So I don't want it to be just a good old boy system where we're using the same people all the time and filming them in the same location because that doesn't do anybody any good. My goal is to get as many people in the boat as I can as, as far and wide as this region will take us. So that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, I think that was one of the things, like I heard it as soon as you said, uh, you know, you as the CEO at Greenlight, the question that I heard is, well, who are you <laughs> to Greenlight, you know, these films? And so I think it's, it, it, it is uh, important that we also highlight that you have a large advisory board um, surrounding Correct. you made up of producers, yes. people in VR, blockchain, wardrobe props. So while, you know, you may green light it, um, it's not like you're just doing this on your own. And I think also it's important that, like you said, it's not a, a good old boy system where it's the same old people. Because that's one thing that I always hate is when you, you decide that, okay, you know, I want to be a part of something that's bigger than myself, but then it self-serves the people that yeah. are, you know, in leadership. That, right. That's never it's a good thing. the same people. No, it's never a good thing. And I want to make sure that everybody knows that our advisory board is not just made up of different professionals because they're all not just producers. It's, um, you know, I wanted some people like in wardrobe and props and other spaces we'd like to go into, like a true studio like AR and VR. But I also made sure that, um, and I'm very, very specific to try to seek out full representation of all genders and all races. I want everybody to feel um, represented because they are represented. Um, now, I have been a part of a few projects where you also, as we all know, there needs to be a creative person um, in charge of a film, and that's called the director. And you can't make a film by committee. Same with the company. You know, they will be advising me. Make no mistake about it. But I am going to be the CEO, and I do need the the authority and the power and the freedom and the flexibility to make decisions. And a lot of times they're predicated on things that uh, may not even be public, you know? So um, that's another thing I want to reassure people and give confidence in is that it isn't going to be filmmaking by committee. Filmmaking by committee can be a slow, laborious process 
And usually you end up with nothing more than hurt feelings at the end of the day. People want to know that um, the power of the director, um, and it doesn't mean they have to have an overbearing personality, but it's, it's in their ability to have a vision, see the vision, and execute on that. And the best directors I know make decisions very quickly, and they're very resolute in those. And I just wanted people to know that this isn't going to be filmmaking by committee either because, again, that only leaves people frustrated and then ultimately hurt because expectations uh, were falsely there and weren't met. Right. So, all right, Ron, kind of closing out the the interview, I think that, um, you know, you definitely have the history, the body of work, you know, even creating the VIP Summit uh, lately, and maybe you could talk a little bit about that so the connections yeah. are there and and i do want you to hit that you know to 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 build folks confidence in what you're trying to pull off here but then from there also uh the next part of the question would be how can people actually get involved yeah so one of the key factors of the mid-atlantic studios is this is going to be 100 percent stories by us and cast and crewed by us and that's an essential component some people said, oh, you have to leave room for A-list talent and all that. And I just have to say, if I was in somebody else's shoes and I knew that there was a way out that we could bring outside people in, because that's what they're doing now anyway, that I wouldn't be involved with that, is that it had to be 100% of us, for us, by us. Now, I'm not going to be militant on your address. And plus, you know how many A-list and B-list talent live in the region? Um, I know, you know, I, I, I worked with an A-list talent at one point and they were flying me out to do, um, this PSA at their house. And I thought it was going to be in LA, but it wasn't, it was within the region. And there's a lot of people within the region that we can pull from. So that's an essential component is that it's, look, Georgia's doing fine enough themselves. And what we need to do is be able to come together, uh, uniquely at this opportunity. And I do believe that I put together a nice Rolodex and have a good portfolio. And I'm not diminishing those. I still have the Forge Studios. I do a lot of fantasy and sci-fi projects because they sell well internationally. Um, and I've created a niche for those elements. But I put together the VIP Film Summit. It's the VIPFilmAndTVSummit.com. And I put together that to bring managers, agents, um, development executives and the right producing partners along with those elusive investors into the same room so that we could pitch them very much like Shark Tank. And my goal was to level up filmmaking in our area. But what I wanted to also do is create sustainable filmmaking for our region. And I don't think that, that they're in conflict with, them, with each other. I think they're very complementary to each other. So we have the Mid-Atlantic Studios that's going to be filming right in our own backyard. But then I'm also continuing the VIP Film Summit that will allow the home run, if you will, opportunity as well. And to create further opportunities so that we can get the right producing partners, the investors, and that further projects could be funded and sprung off this. And as we all know, when we have a, this blockchain database and we're working amongst other like-minded people and you roll off one project, let's keep other projects going. And if we have these 
right executives and producing partners, that's one of the things I wanted to create. I can't tell you how many people that I talk to as an indie filmmaker, and they all talk about how they're going to get uh, a deal with Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon. Those are the three. And when I, find, when I ask them, well, how are you going to do that, they really have no plan. Well, you know, I'm going to go <laughs> film the film first, and then I'm going to pitch it to them. Already, that's the wrong way <laughs> to do it. If you, what I think they want is to be a Netflix original. In other words, Netflix is going to foot the bill. And although Netflix has been a disruptor in distribution, they're very much using traditional ways in order to make their content. So right. you need to connect with the right producing partner. And that's what the VIP Film Summit does as well, is that we bring forth the right producing partners um, in order to be able to truly get in front of Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu. Uh, because I was just tired of people falsely believing that they could spend all this money and time and effort and make a film and then get it up there because not having a Netflix original, um, you know, getting your film up on Netflix in 2018 is, and I mean, no disrespect to them, but is not that big of a deal. We have aggregators that can do that. What most people want is it's again, the money problem and the money problem can now be solved if we come together. Yeah, man. So I, I appreciate you answering that. And again, I'm just trying to sit here as, you know, the audience member that's listening and asking those questions. So I think now we've kind of established, hey, Mid-Atlantic Studios, what it's about, the problem that you're trying to solve, the fact that, you know, you have been, I, I think, as, as you said, you've been working on this uh, basically since college. Like, how can you uh, sustain filmmaking full time. Like we both have, you know, a wife, children, a family. So like the fact that we're putting, you know, even for me, like with picture lock and all this stuff that I do, DC black film festival, like the, the reason that we do it is because we love it, but like, we want to make sure that we're putting our best foot forward and we're able to do this full time. Yeah. And I think that you've kind of laid out, um, you know, just the ways in which you're trying to make sure that this thing um, is fully self-sustainable. So if you could, let's go ahead and get into um, how people can get behind Mid-Atlantic Studios. It, it's very uh, simple. If they go to midatlanticstudios.com, they go there, and then on the right-hand side, very much like traditional crowdfunding, there's various levels of perks. From the minimum investment is $100, and that gets you a membership, and then all the way up to a significant amount of capital. But um, there are some lower-end perks that, let's say you have a script, and you want to get it vetted and see if this is something you can put in front of us and actually get notes on and try to get in front of the curve, because the opportunity for Mid-Atlantic Studios, what we're trying to do is greenlight three projects right out the gate at about a million dollars apiece. And, you know, no one's going to get rich off that, but that's paying everyone, right, a, a good rate. And so the first two films, we have the scripts, and they're ready to go. But I intentionally left the third script open to be brought forth by the members. So, look, you know, if you're a producer, a screenwriter, if you're an actor or you're part of the crew, you should be, and you're in our region, you should be excited about this opportunity. It, this is trying to address the pain point. So you would just go to midatlanticstudios.com. You would look to the right about uh, which perk you want. You would click on that, you know, obviously put in uh, the credit card type of information, and then you'll be a member. And I'll see that come in. Um, if you do have further questions and you're still not sure, 
you can email me at contact at midatlanticstudios.com and let's, you know, let me answer those questions. Obviously, one of the biggest things that we need right now is getting the word out and helping people hear about it. If, uh, you know, it's close enough to Christmas to where if there's a filmmaker in, in your life, you know, what better cool Christmas gift than to give them ownership into a local studio. So there's opportunities to get involved as much as people want to get involved. Awesome. And again, just to reiterate and clarify, any of the perks that I pay for or invest in, like that is me paying for my portion of being a part of the company, right? It's it's not just it's not just like Kickstarter where a hundred dollars gets right. me a T-shirt. That is that was extremely important to me. Is that there was a lot of ways I could have done the company, but I wanted to ensure that each person that puts in money actually has true equity ownership. You have ownership in this company. As the company does well, so will you, and that includes financially. Awesome. All right, Ron Newcomb, founder of the Mid Atlantic Studios. Thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate you having me. I'm looking forward to rolling cameras and then keeping them rolling for our region.